Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, coming to you with a fantastic interview from somebody who has achieved a great deal. I just met him. I forgot to ask his age, but he looks pretty darn young. Lane Kawaoka currently owns 3,000 units across the U.S., which is amazing. He lives in Hawaii and recently quit his day job as a professional engineer with a MS in civil engineering and construction management and a BS in industrial engineering. Lane partners with investors who want to build their portfolio but are too busy to mess with tenants, toilets, and termites, the three Ts, by curating opportunities in his uh, pipeline club. I'm, I'm, I'll ask him what the name of that is. I didn't want to mess it up in the intro. Lane reverse engineers the wealth building strategies that the rich use to the middle class via the top 50 investing podcast, simplepassivecashflow.com. Lane, how are you doing today? Aloha, Captain Jim. <laughs> People sometimes ask me, are you going to take your boat to California? And they never say really, why, but no, we, we got 580 gallons of diesel. That'd be a hell of, a, hell of an expensive trip. Oh my gosh. So you're in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we invest where we, the numbers make sense, but live where we want. And Hawaii's can't, can't complain about this place. So we, we said hello on camera before we started the podcast. Do you mind if I ask your age? You look to me about maybe 30, 32. Yeah, I'm 34. So I know most people think I'm like in my twenties. So that was one of the <laughs> reasons why I never really liked the corporate day job since I never had any white hair. And <laughs> still don't. <laughs> so man, you're, um, when your uh, one sheet came across my desk, you know, I, I, I get pitched an awful, I get, probably get pitched 12 times a week and I, I do a show <laughs> once a week. But um, I saw your, first of all, Simple uh, Passive Cash Flow is a, is a great, and that's your URL, simplepassivecashflow.com. What a, what a great URL. But when I saw 30 units and I thought, that guy can't be, that guy's no way he's even 40. Um, and I'm like, man, this, this must be a great story. So you, you obviously got a few degrees, civil engineering and uh, industrial engineering, but what happened to all that schooling? And now you're, now you're an entrepreneur and, and you have a, a metric crap ton of rental units. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of was raised just like anybody else, you know, went to school. I was told to, you know, study hard, get an engineering degree, get two of them and then uh, work at that said job for 40, 50 years, right? In the cubicle. Right. Um, but um, I got off of that, I call it the linear path that a lot of, you know, high paid professionals are on. Um, I bought a house to live in a couple years out of college. And because I was never home, because I was working on the road all the time, I just decided to rent it out. And then I got a taste of blood there. I, um, you know, rented out for 2200 a month. And the um, monthly rents were sixteen hundred, so twenty two hundred minus sixteen hundred. That was a lot of beer money to a young twenty year old something kid. Yeah, and I was like, shoot, I got to do this again and again and again. Get myself out of this rat race. 
So you were paying sixteen hundred and you rented it for twenty two hundred. Right, right. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So how often can you do that all day long? As, as I say. Right. I mean, you know, I'm no dummy, right? I mean, I just, just do that more, and you know, just it just became a game of. I mean, I was always frugal up to that point, and that helped me save for that first property. But at that point, I got extremely motivated. To buy the next property, and then I got even more motivated to get more educated to stretch my dollar more. <clears throat> so that was where I got more sophisticated in, you know, figuring out what made a good rental, what were the numbers behind it, you know, in terms of like rent to value ratios, and where do you buy it? Did your family think you were a little nuts doing that versus your education in your engineering field? Pro- I mean, probably. I think they still they still don't even know what the heck I do. They, <laughs> I think my mom thinks I'm like a realtor or something like that. Yeah. You know, everyone has their own path, right? <laughs> so did you get your, do you, do you probably started in Hawaii, is your first, second, third unit in Hawaii? And how did you branch out? Because unless you have 3,000, no, it says you have them across the whole country. Yeah. So I, I, I was living in Seattle at the time um, because there's not really any good jobs here in Hawaii. And, you know, I was working up in, in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. So I bought my first couple properties, my three units in uh, Seattle. And at that point, I realized um, what a lot of sophisticated investors, they don't buy in primary markets like Seattle, California, Hawaii, New York. You know, primary markets do not have the rent-to-value ratios needed to be able to cash flow the property. Um, cash flow is important. You know, your rents minus expenses need to be positive. So you know, when, when you have COVID-19 and everything goes to heck, right, you still cash flow. Right. So, we look at rent to value ratios and we buy mostly in secondary and tertiary markets, places like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Kansas city, Memphis, and where the rent to value ratio is 1% or higher so that the numbers show that we can cash flow, at least from the high level. Yeah. And it seems to me, I, I interview a lot of, um, you know, 20, 20, 30 something year old brand new entrepreneurs. And it seems to me they, people don't necessarily want to own anymore, right? I mean, I'm, I'm 61. I was, oh, going to get a house and have a family. But it seems like a, some of the younger generation don't want to own anymore. Is that good for you, the fact that you own and they could just rent? Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, everybody wants to be, um, especially because I'm investing in apartments these days. Everybody's into, you know, having a nice pool, the barbecue pit. You know, they don't want to have the burden of a yard or having to fix the roof. Um, and, you know, this country is still in a population boom, you know, partially due to immigration. But, um, you know, we're not like like Japan, who has an aging population. Um, we have and we have a, um, a need for housing. And like, you know, that's why real estate's so popular, because it's never going to go out of style. Always going to need a place to live. I think... Um... Somewhere around a year or so ago, I interviewed somebody who was doing something similar and, and they had about 150 or 200 units, which I thought was a lot. And when I saw you had over 3,000 units, one of the, first of all, that's a lot. But I wanted to ask you about mindset, right, of an entrepreneur. So when you bought your first one and then your second and third, were, were you a little nervous? Were you just like, hey, this is easy. I'm just going to do it. And where, where's your mindset now? Like when you, when you got above, say, 500 units, is from 500 to 1,000 no big deal? Talk, talk about the mindset of going that big. Yeah, I mean, 
like when I started out, I was using a property manager to do all my dirty work. Okay. And those guys, they're, they're, they're where the rubber meets the road. So I started it in a sort of scalable manner. But when I got up to 11 rental properties, a lot of these places I you know, haven't even visited. Um, and you know, there was three property managers over three states. Um, I got to a point where they were not, weren't scalable. And that, that was a, a pivot point for me where I got out of owning one-off single family homes and I got into owning apartment buildings with other people and partners. So this is the world of private placements and syndications. And, you know, we were kind of ch chatting about earlier, you know, I got into these, this world by sort of, I had to pay to get in, you know, like okay. joining masterminds, um, just getting around higher level people than what you find, um, you know, that's free out there. I mean, I tell my investors all the time, the worst place to go is local Korea or the free online forms. I mean, you're just a bunch of broke people on there trying to get started and try to emulate what's happening on HGTV with the house flipping. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I don't house flip. I don't wholesale houses. Very, very opposite world of that stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I like the expression millionaires don't take advice from broke people. So that's what happens in a lot of those <laughs> groups. So when you, uh, that's curious. I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of masterminds. I've been in, I run my own for 11 years now. When you started looking for masterminds, were you specifically looking at masterminds that had, were, and I used to tell my, my own clients, you know, I joined one and I was the dumbest one in the room. Were you looking to be that person so you could suck all that knowledge in or were you, were, were you even aware of that? Yeah, I mean, I di wasn't even aware of that, right? And and now I have my own um, passive investor ex uh, accelerator mastermind, and it's, I I get it. A lot of people have never been in a mastermind, and they just don't get it, right? Obviously, like the, the first thing people say is like the price, like is it really worth this price to get in? And then second, like you know, a lot of people are kind of shy. They don't know how to utilize the mastermind, and right. as you know, Jim, you just got to get in there because you just have to trust that you're in a room of high caliber people that yeah. want to add value to each other. And if you're in the right one, you, you know, if, if the, if the curator is doing it the right way, it will be very, it'll be very high value for you and, and well worth the money. I, I sometimes tell a story when I'm out speak and I, I call it my most embarrassing moment. I was in this mastermind and there's this guy doing a, you know, about a two and a half million dollar coaching business. And, on a break, he asked me, and I thought he was just going to hey, be nice and share some advice, but he basically called me out. He said, so I know you want to grow and be successful and have big business, maybe like mine, but I don't see you doing this, this, and this. So how does that work for you? And it was, I made a long story short, but it was very, I mean, it was really embarrassing, but it was like, oh my God, I need to start doing what these guys are doing. Do you know what I mean? Right. And um, it was really an eye-opening experience. A lot of people don't put themselves in that situation, but um I'm curious about the the whole. I mean, three thousand units. Do you are, do you keep going? I mean, if I interviewed you a year from now, are you going to be at like five thousand or six thousand or ten or what? Probably. I mean, it, it's just exponential growth from here. I mean, the way we pick them up, we we pick them up in large syndications. We'll we'll get, we'll get it from a hundred to three hundred units at a time. Oh, I see. Um, and we hire a, another layer of management in there. You know, before when I was just doing it on my own, I did. I was the asset manager, picking up a property with the property manager. Now I have asset managers kind of doing that for me and managing the property manager. So there's there's a saying that I've heard before: you don't do anything unless you can scale it to eight or nine figures. And the way I'm doing it right now, it's incredibly scalable. Where 
when you're the person managing property managers, you know, the guy's making 50 to $75,000 a year. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. not scalable. Yeah. Other than apartments and like rentals, what are, what are some of the other um, recession proof assets that are out there? Yeah. We like uh, mobile home parks a lot. Um, ah. you know, your, your rent, you own the land and the tenant owns their own uh, mobile home park, but there's a lot of laws where it makes it very difficult for the, the tenants and gives the landlord a lot of power. Um, I know there was like an HBO special recently that kind of um, poked fun at this, but you know, that's, that's kind of why we love the asset class. And, um, you know, I mean, I think that there's a bad stigma of bubble home parks and that's awesome for us that keeps the amateurs and the mom and pa's out of it. Um, but you know, people always need a place to live and that's where the majority of the population is. The guy's making, you know, $30,000 a year at, at Walmart. So when you own a mobile home park, you own the land and the people who own their trailers uh, or mobile home, excuse me, I know they don't like trailers. They, they pay you rent for that plot of grass that it's parked on. Right. The lot rent. Um, okay. But when we, when we pick up these parks, usually it's, it's a hodgepodge of park owned, tenant owned, and we're trying to transition over to the uh, tenant owned. But that's part of the value add, you know, like any of these projects that apartments or mobile home parks there's a bit of value add or to increase the net operating income to in turn, um, you know, divided by the cap rate to in turn affect the market price. Hmm. So do you, so you run your own mastermind. Do you help people get into what you're doing now? Is that, is that what you're teaching? Is that one of your, one mm -hmm. of your businesses? If you want to go and start your own apartment deal or a mobile home park, I'm not the guy for you. There's, like there's a couple dozen of good folks that do that, that I'm willing to refer out. What I do is I have a group of passive investors looking to um, invest passively in larger projects and be able to vet it out as a limited partner. Um, I think that there, when I saw the, the space, there was nothing like that out there. Everybody is a bunch of real estate groupies and trying to do it themselves. Um, my group are for folks who have a six figure and up day job or they're maybe they're an entrepreneur, you know, kicking butt at their business and they just want to place funds passively into good uh, tax advantage um, deals. So that's kind of what I created. Most of the entrepreneurs I know who are kicking butt are like so busy. So what do they do? Are those, are those people just saying, here, I, I have some money. Would you uh, invest it for me or do the, or do you teach them how to do it? Yeah, I mean, I teach them how to do it in in as little as like a few hours a month. <laughs> wow, it's, you know, it's not gonna. It, it's not like these other real estate groupie groups where here's this here's this big book to read. Here's you know, hundreds of hours to get good at it. I'm all about the minimum effective dose. What is the very least amount of time? Because to a lot of these people, time is the most valuable asset to them. They got a lot of money, right? right? So um, I'm, I'm curious because you mentioned apartments. So when you own 3,000 units, if you had an apartment complex that had 500 units, you count that as 500 units or is each apartment building a unit? That's a, you count each unit. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Are there some states that you don't like to go in? I mean, because of either tax laws or something like that or? Yeah, I mean, you know, other than the secondary and tertiary markets, um, we try and target 
properties that are in red states. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, I'm like, I always tell my investors, like, why are you guys buying properties in blue states like California? You can't even evict them, you know? And I'm all for like, you know, we work compassionately with our tenants. But when people have this entitled attitude of now they feel like they don't need to pay rent and they're not going to get kicked out, I think that's absurd. Wow, a lot of that's the red, right. Yeah, right. A lot of the red states um, are still on the side of the landlord, and that's where I want to be. Um, so very interesting. A lot of the economic growth is also for a lot of our our properties are in the south, southeast. Um, again, we're going after the workforce housing. We don't go after class A luxury properties. We go after the blue collared um, folks, guys making. Thirty thousand to seventy thousand dollars a year, looking to find a good quality place to live, high value for anywhere from six hundred dollars a month up to twelve hundred dollars a month. Wow, that's I mean that that's really astute. I'm blown away with that. Hey, I don't know if I was on your website or somewhere. I was I was seeing where it said why you should not invest in like a four hundred one k or or maybe a Roth or some traditional investment. So. Did I see that on your site or? Yeah, yeah, I can talk about that a little bit. I mean, sure. it, it definitely is a little counterintuitive. I mean, for the, first of all, like, you know, most of our group, we don't, we don't primarily invest in stock, stock market or mutual funds because a lot of those are retail investments. We invest in deals where we have a first degree of separation with the operator. You know, we know who we're investing with and in, in turn, we're cutting out the middlemen. And that's my problem with Wall Street. And that's why I got out of that rat race. And unfortunately, you know, kind of my parents and a lot of, you know, a lot of other people out there are, you know, working for 40, 50 years, but they're just getting the hidden fees sapped out of them, even in low cost ETFs or mutual funds. Um, It's just, they're just getting robbed blindly. Um, So we, we invest in these deals where, in addition, you have all these tax benefits. I mean, we'll go in and do a cost segregation on a building and we'll be able to write off a third of the building in the first year and give that right back to investors. And, um, you know, for a lot of guys who are able to check the box real estate professional on their tax form, now they can offset their active income with these passive losses. Of course, consult your CPA. But um, last year, I paid about 4% effective tax rate. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. What's, what's the deal with uh, Class A, Class B, and Class C? I know what that means in the RV world. I'm sure it's quite different <laughs> in the real estate world. Yeah. I mean, you know, like there's no real rule of, uh, you know, rule like what is a Class A, B, or C. But generally, Class A are like the luxury type of housing. These are the new builds built, you know, that are less than 10 years old. Um, you know, 10 to 20 years old properties, you know, 1990s, those would be your class B. And then your class C are your 1960s and 1980s type of properties, a little older. Um, and then class D are, you know, a lot older than that. Kind of on the, going to be ready to become a teardown at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, you know, Basically, rich people live in class A, poor people live in class D, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just how, how it works. So where, where do you invest? Like, where are your 3,000 units? What class would those be in? So, of course, no, no property is alike. And we kind of go after, we buy 
like specific deals where the current rents are severely under market, maybe even 10, 20, 30%. So we're kind of buying anywhere from the B to C class type of area. You know, number one criteria is that we're cash flowing day one, but there has to be some value add opportunity ability for us to bump the rents. So ideally, if I had, you know, was working in a vacuum, I would try and find the sweet spot, which is the B minus B property. So I don't want to give away any trade secrets, but with all the, all these different technologies, I mean, Zillow and all this different stuff, how do you find deals? Do you have a way that, or do you have people that go and scour or do people bring deals to you? Yeah. I mean, no, no trade secrets here. And this is why I love real estate because we have an unfair advantage. Um, brokers, we go after stabilized deals. So stabilized deals are controlled by brokers. So brokers bring the deal to us because they know the most important thing to them is they get paid. So they know that we can close. So that's why they bring us the deal. Wow. So if, if you're a mom and pa investor, you're not going to, you're just going to be brought the garbage or what's found in the loop net. Uh, and you're not even going to be able to close it because you haven't even done a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac deal before you can't get the lending for it. So it's an unfair game. <laughs> That's pretty slick. So, Lane, my last question, and, and um, we'll wrap up. I'm really curious what the – I mean, you, you certainly sound like a very confident guy. Were you always that way? I mean, I, I know so many people who are kind of getting started, and they're doing okay, and then they kind of maybe get into the, you know, uh, several hundred thousand or half a million range, and then there's folks who are in like seven figures, and it's just like they exude confidence. Did you always have confidence, or is that, did that just come as you acquired more, more units? I mean, I, I think the stuff I do is like pretty conservative and, and not too risky. I mean, from day one, I've bought places that cash flow from the beginning. I don't care what happens with the economy or the market. The, the price of the property can go up and down, but I have the ability to sell whenever I want. And maybe I don't want to sell because I'm just happy with the cash flow I'm getting day one. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not flipping houses, right? I don't have to worry about the market. I don't have to worry about those big overlays of cash. Um, so I'm just kind of a big boat, um, you know, going through the ocean and kind of mind my own business is kind of what I'm doing. And um, yeah, I mean, initially it's not the sexy thing, right? When I'm buying properties out in Birmingham or Atlanta or Indianapolis, nobody cares, right? It's just, you know, making a few hundred bucks of cash flow every time. But um, you know, it's, I think it's the prudent way to invest when you're investing for cash flow. Very cool. So, wow, Lane, what a what a fun interview. I mean, man, you've really what just what you say you're 34? Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> you got a lot going on. You got an impressive future ahead of you. Yeah, I mean, maybe I might stop, right? I mean, that's that's what I tell my investors. You got to figure out what your end game is. At what point do you get off the bus or get off the train? Yeah. No, no more uh, briefcase and, and skinny black ties for you sitting in, in, in the engineering department, right? <laughs> no, that's, no. That's great. Well, I'm sure um, I mentioned your URL. Is there someplace else you'd like to send people? Simple, passive, cashflow.com. Please, please feel free to share. Yeah. And then, you know, if you, you guys are podcast listeners, well, I guess obviously um, check out Simple Passive Cashflow. You know, my, my first dozen podcasts were all about turnkey rentals. So these properties that you can buy all fixed up with a tenant in place, kind of like a rental property and training rules, which are great for uh, new folks. Um, because that's when I started the podcast back in 2016, that's what I personally did. 
Um, but obviously my story has moved over to buying bigger deals and, um, you know, again, your network is your net worth. If you guys are interested, um, you know, check out my free Facebook group. Um, I think you can go to the website, simplepassivecashflow.com on the networking tab and join our community there. Very cool. Well, I wish you a lot of success. Well, you already have a lot of success. I hope, I hope you have a good long, good long run here, Lane. Thanks so much for sharing some of your, uh, some of your story with us. Thanks, Jim. Hey, folks, that wraps this very special. Man, you want to play a big game? You got to follow people who are playing a big game. So whether even if you're not interested in real estate, I would really go check out simplepassivecashflow.com. Follow uh, Lane on social media, etc. You learn, you absorb from people who are out, actually out there doing it. Um, if you want to get in contact with me a little bit more, just in case you haven't already, get jimpalmer.com. And until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.